You are about to hear a message from one of our worship services at Rescue Church, located in West New York, New Jersey. If you'd like to visit or learn more about us, please check out www.rescuechurch.tv. We're gonna we're gonna work we're gonna work together today. We're gonna have to do some work. I hope I hope you're ready to work now. Ephesians one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every in Christ spiritual heavenly places, it is all yours. You don't have to earn it. You don't, have, you don't deserve it. Tithing doesn't get it. Offerings don't get it. Jesus' offering of himself is the price that was paid for you to receive it. But if you really receive it, then you live a life of gratitude, of sacrifice, of generosity, of wisdom, out of thankfulness. Not guilt, not manipulation, not pressure. Thankfulness. Okay. The Lord Jesus Christ who has, past tense, not will, has, it's finished. He's settled on you being blessed. <laughs> it's like, that's final. <laughs> it's like, okay. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that God is a Calvinist. It just means that God chose you before you chose him. And God also knew what choice you would make if you would respond to him or not. But he's good enough and big enough and powerful enough to give you a free will and let you choose. Do you know how hard and how painful it is to let someone make choices that you love that is going to destroy their life? I have watched it for the last 21 years. People that I took in my house, that I live with, people that I loved and cared for, make decisions where they destroyed their life. You know how painful that is? When you really care about people and you know the consequences of this choice is going to come for them and they don't know it's coming? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain from when? Before the foundation of the world. Which means before sin, there was a solution. There was a savior. And God made a choice to love you and to choose you. So he created you with the intention of you loving and choosing him back. And if you don't, he still loves you, he still created you, but you will live with the consequences of your choices. Okay, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, how should we be? <laughs> Holy. Not half naked on Instagram. Holy. Holy, set apart, separate, 
Not two different lifestyles. Not a church bathing suit, a, wor a worldly bathing suit. Not, not, now listen, I'm not picking on you. But I'm telling you the truth. You have to, you have to think, of, are you two people or are you one person? That we should be holy. You know what holy means? Holy means hallowed. It means set apart. That means that you are for God. Not for the devil. Not for God on Sunday and Satan Saturday night. <laughs> like the devil's hoe on Saturday and the bride of Christ on Sunday. No. No. Holy and set apart. The most valuable thing that I have in the, in the relationship that I have with my wife is the exclusivity of that relationship. All of the trust, all of the affection, all of the attraction, all of the communication is built on the exclusivity of that relationship. Okay, that was free. He chose us. While we were yet sinners, we had nothing to offer, broken down on the side of the road, he chose us. That's good news. That, isn't, I mean, okay. That we should be holy and without blame. When there's no blame, there's no shame. Faultless is the word, one of the words, faultless. If you confess your faults, you're faultless. <laughs> If you pretend, you have shame. That we should be holy. If you're holy, you are without blame. In other words, no indictment on you is real. It's false. When they have nothing on you, you can walk differently. They should be, we should be holy before him. Excuse me. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's a good thing. But this is the agape of God. This is the eternal, the unconditional, the love of God. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. This is a love story. But not like eh, pictures and fakeness. A real love story. Not based on lust or romance or sex. But based on covenant love. Shed blood. Real love. Not talk. Love. Okay. And having predestined us. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's a dangerous word. Do I believe that? Yes. I believe the Bible. Am I a Calvinist? No. And neither is Jesus. Okay. Having predestined us to adoption. If you continue in the verse, you're going to see he talks about redemption. So there's, there's, a few, there's a few pictures here. And by the way, they're economic. I know that's hard to talk about, but it's like, <laughs> don't worry, we're not going to take it off break. <laughs> But he has predestined us to adoption. Now, in the word adoption, you have the root word of the word huyos, which is a mature son. 
Okay? Which this is what I have to get into the, the principle of this so we, get, we can get this little African boys out of our head. This is not, this adoption is not the same adoption as going to Africa, Kenya, or Haiti, or wherever. This is not that type of adoption. The type of adoption that he's talking about here is that, let's just say you have a son, and your son is a failure, okay? He's a failure, I'm sorry, but he's a failure. And, not you, but let's just say there's a story of a guy, <laughs> like, and the guy's son is a failure. And the guy, he doesn't lie to himself because he's, you know, smart. So he goes, man, my son is a failure. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Am I going to give a $26 million business to a failure? The guy who made a $26 million business is not stupid. So he goes, well, I am not going to give this business to this guy. I'm going to adopt Joseph. Joseph, how old are you, Joseph? 44. 44. So, Joseph, you don't see Joseph's picture on World Vision like, oh, sponsor Joseph. Uh, but this guy who's 72 and his, his strength is waning, he says, I'm going to adopt Joseph and Joseph is going to be my son. And I'm going to bring him into my family and he's going to be my heir. What does that mean? That means upon my death, he gets everything. Not this failure. Okay. That is what adoption is in the Roman culture. That all, many, many, many of the Caesars adopted sons because their sons were disgraces and failures. And they knew that I cannot give a kingdom to a failure. Okay, stick with me. <laughs> stick with me. Now, when a son is adopted, he was not a technon. It wasn't a little boy. It, it wasn't a nepios, a little baby. No, it was a huyos. That is the root word of adoption, which is a mature son ready for an inheritance. A steward. So it wasn't like, okay, let's go get kids. No, this was like, I, I got a business. I got a name. I have a reputation to uphold. I am not going to give it to someone who looks like me so that they can squander it. I will rather give it to someone that doesn't look like me so they won't squander it. Uh, I, can, I, I don't know offhand. It's H-U-I-O-U-S, but it, it's, I can show it to you. This is such a wild church. This is a wild church. So anyway, I love you, Brett. I forgive you. Okay. Having predestined us to adoption as to sons. Now, this is interesting because we go back to who yos and Brett's question here. Is that this word sons is not just who yos. It's the same word used for adoption. So in the Greek text... This word and this word is the same word, but not in English. No, it's the huyos root with the adoption. By Jesus Christ to himself, according, here it comes, to the good pleasure of his will. 
So because he felt good about it and joy from it and decided to do it, not because he had to, because he wanted to, he said, I'll take you. You be a part of my family. I'll take you. You be a part of my family. I'll take you. You be a part of my family. And then we're going to get into heirs and joint heirs, but we're not going to get into that yet. Now, we're going to continue. There's two texts that you see the fulfillment of. Jesus in, in Isaiah says that he is the everlasting father, right? But Jesus did not have biological children. This is historically true, just so you know. He did not have a wife. And he did not have biological children. In Mark 2, there was a man who was a paralytic. They brought him to Jesus. Remember that story? And he was forgiven. He said, son, technon, son, your sins are forgiven, which is calling a grown man a little boy. Because not every grown man is a grown man. That's a whole nother message. In this text, a man was forgiven, healed, adopted, and sent as a testimony back to his family. But he was brought in. Jesus called him son. That's adoption. In Mark 5, there was a woman with the issue of blood. Remember that woman? That issue of blood was for 12 years. 12 is the number of governments. She was being governed by sickness. And then she pressed through the crowd. She pulled on the hem of his garment. You remember that? Right? And virtue was released from him. And she was healed in that minute. She, she felt the blood issue dry up. And in this verse, Malachi 4.2, the prophecy was being fulfilled that the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And the word wings is not like an angel. <laughs> I would not make a good angel. <laughs> I'd be like, they don't want that angel, man. We need a refund. The son of righteousness will arrive with healing in his wings. Wings means the edge of his garment, which is the manifestation of the high priestly ministry. Because the high priest has to have anointed garments. That's why you see Peter's shadow and Paul's handkerchief, the greater works, resting on the priesthood of believers. It's another message. I'm going to file that away for another time and stick to the script. So in this prophecy, a woman was healed, restored, and adopted. You know what Jesus called her? Daughter. To the undignified, bloody woman, he says, daughter. To the ostracized and cast out, unclean, he says, daughter. All you have to do is come with sincerity and humility, and you're in. You're in. You can be a hot mess, train wreck, no problem. He's like, yeah, you're amazing. I'll take you. <laughs> He's like, you're amazing. He puts your picture on his fridge. He's just so happy to have you. But if you're sincere. Not, not if you're faking the funk. He doesn't like that. The only people he went aggressive on is hypocrites. And the hypocrites is a word where you put on a mask like a screenplay. He hates that. And we learned that in church. I don't know how we learn it. We become so good at it. We like mastered it. We could write a whole book on it. 
He doesn't care how much of a mess you are if you're willing to acknowledge you're actually a mess. <laughs> All right, that's good news. So here in this text, you're seeing Jesus make adoptions. And guess what? They're not little cute children from World Vision. They are messed up old people. <laughs> it's like, who wants to adopt you? <laughs> like, you know, like, we don't want you, man. We want a cute little kid. We don't want you. We are not putting, you know, it's like Brett adopts me, you know, puts my picture on his fridge. They're like, we don't want him. He eats too much. We can't. He's too expensive. But Jesus, like, he will adopt us. All right. This is all good news. I hope you really can feel that in your heart. I know it's a little intense, but this is, this is good news here. Mark 2. Now, in this passage, Jesus adopts a paralytic. Jesus calls him son. So he goes from being identified by his condition to identified as a family member of Jesus. Your family identity is really important. And that's why the world exploits people on it. I want to know my ancestors. I want to know if I'm this. I want to know if I'm Jewish. I want to know if I'm black. I want to know. I want to. I want to know if I'm white. I want to know how white I am. I don't care. That's just a detail. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful detail, by the way. God chose you to be just who you are, and that's awesome. And I and I love you just the way you are. But that is not definitive. It's descriptive. Hopefully that's helpful. So in this passage, he says, your sins are forgiven. Then he heals the man and sends him back to the very people who cast him out. How do you like them apples? Brett, I'm going to send you this whole file just for you. So people who cast him out and did nothing to help him his, his, in, in, in the first century, what they would do, the Jews would be like, he must have sinned. They threw him out. They cast him out. So instead of helping the guy, they cast him out. That's a great picture of religion. His ministry begins in his own home with the people who didn't help him. The people who hurt him. The people who rejected him. That's where real ministry starts. It starts in your home. I mean, it starts in your heart, your body, and your home. That's a proving ground. From the moment I got born again, I had people like, like right after that living in my house. And, I, and, and, and you, you see, you will see, and people will see what you are like and they, and you, when you live there. How real is it? Come, come see. Is that real? <laughs> it's real? It's really real. <laughs> so anyway, and, and, I, and that was, but I didn't know, bless you. I didn't know that was the mercy of God saying, oh, we're going to make this real from the beginning. I had a demon-possessed person living in my room. I'm serious. I learned how to pray. You learn how to fight if the devil lives in your room. So anyway, all right. Now, here we come. Here we come. Red. We're moving forward here with the colors. You like these colors a little bit? All right. Deborah likes the colors. The executive board approves. So now this is Mark 14, 36. And guess what's happening in Mark? Jesus is getting ready to die. I'm, all, I'm, really, I'm really happy that you guys like these pictures. Everyone's taking pictures. I feel like a superstar. I'm like... 
<laughs> so anyway, so he's in the garden and he begins to sweat blood. You remember this? He's not sweating blood because of the fear of death. Many Jewish martyrs were not afraid of death. He was sweating blood at the thought of being separated from his father. Because he had never been separated from his father. And in this prayer, a grown man, a perfect man, the God-man, begins to sweat and begins to pray and begins to cry out, Abba, Father! Abba, Abba is a word that a small Hebrew boy would call his father. Abba. Abba. Like a little kid goes, Daddy. Abba. It's like, Daddy. Abba. But he goes, Father. We're going we're gonna to get into this. Abba, father. Father is what a mature son calls his dad. Abba, father, all things are possible for you. In other words, nothing is impossible for you. Take this cup away from me. That's the Abba part of the prayer. Your prayers have to go from Abba to Father. But if you don't know Abba, it's real hard to do the Father thing. That's why it's very hard for children who don't know their Father to connect with Him later. It's very hard. God wants you to know Him as Abba, as Father. He says, nevertheless, not what I will... But what you will, that's the father part of prayer. So the, the, the Abba is like, here's what I want. <laughs> but the father part of the prayer is, I will do what you want. Because I'm a mature son. And when, when, when your heart's cry is Abba Father, you will be secure in the Father's love and you will know your assignment. And you will become unshakable. And people will not like you. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't like you anyway. They just, most people just don't have the courage to tell you. <laughs> All right. Now, we're going we're gonna to do this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So think of fear, bondage, fear, bondage, fear. You ever see like the little circles that go around the cycle? Fear and bondage, fear and bondage. Ah! What do they think about me? Oh my God, I got to participate with them. What are they going to think if I don't show up to the Christmas thing? You got to participate with them. So fear makes you a participant. It's how the enemy manipulates you. Cycles of bondage are rooted in fear. The spirit of fear and the spirit of bondage are like two little rope things together. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom, whom we cry, whom, not by what we cry, by 
whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, this is good news, by the way. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, Uyos, that's the word Brett wants to spell, into your hearts. So this cry comes into you, it becomes a part of you, and it secures you in love. It teaches you how to pray so you will fulfill your assignment in the earth. You have an assignment that I cannot fulfill. I can only help you. I cannot fulfill it for you. Now, remember this. Paul is really smart. <laughs> People underestimate how smart Paul is. You see this progression of Scripture. It's only in three places. It is, where were we? Mark, Romans, and Galatians. So Paul is pulling on the gospel narrative in his epistle to the church, saying, you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you are sons, and the spirit of your father lives in you. This is supposed to be the cry of our hearts. When this is not the cry of our hearts, guess what happens? See, you, you have to really understand this. Sin, compromise, all those things are not really the problem. Bless you. They're a symptom of the problem. The problem is you don't know your Heavenly Father. That's the problem. That's the real problem. When people wanted to persecute Jesus and wanted to kill him, he said they don't know the Father. <laughs> he reduced all opposition to him and the gospel. You don't know the Father. That's why people, let me tell you one thing. People who really know Jesus, get along. <laughs> people who know doctrine, people who know religion, they always fight. You show me a man who's been dealt with by God, and they can flow with spirit-filled Calvinists, they can flow with mean Baptists, they can flow with four offering to the service Pentecostals. People who really know Jesus can discern a man or a woman who really knows Jesus. Paul said it is the mystery of our fellowship. Our fellowship is in a mystery. It's not according to the flesh. If you try to know people by the flesh, you're not. Your flesh will not like my flesh. My flesh does not want to participate with your will or what you want. But my spirit says yes to the mystery of our fellowship. So if you meet a man or a woman who knows Jesus, and they're among other people that know Jesus, it is a free-for-all of fun and joy. Those are the people you should go on vacation with. Those are the people you should sit at tables with. Those are the people that you should let speak into your life. Those are the people that should call into account your life. Not people who don't have the same father as you. Who's your daddy? Father of lies. 
So why would I let you speak into my life if your daddy is the father of lies? Why am I going to allow you to influence me when your father's agenda for my life is to kill me and take me to hell? You can't say a word to me. I'll listen to you. I'll be kind to you. You cannot speak into my life. You know, one time someone tried to, tried to talk to me negative about Todd White. And I know him. So I said, you cannot say that to me. And also, what makes you think that what you say matters to me? That person was speaking and presuming that like they're talking to me like it matters to me. Like they have been given a place in my life. And I respectfully said, I respect you. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Do not let anyone speak into your life whose father is the father of lies. Very, be very careful who's speaking into your life. Okay. Now, we're getting into the actual message. <laughs> People want to get out of here. So anyway, don't worry. Hey, if you want to leave Rescue Church, no pressure. I wanted to leave for like six and three quarter years. <laughs> so anyway, no pressure. We love you. Like if you leave, we love you. If you don't leave, we love you. You know, we love you. All right. Romans 8, 15 through 17. Now, this is just a, just a fascinating uh, passage, but we're going we're gonna to do it. I'm going to actually start in 12. It says, <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Okay, let me say it this way. You do not owe your past anything. You don't owe your past friends anything. You don't owe them any explanations about your new life. You don't owe them anything unless you do. I was never into owing people stuff. Me and Brett had to talk about that. I don't... Anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another message. So you are not debtors to the flesh, which means you don't owe sin anything. You don't owe your past anything. You don't owe people from your past anything. We are not debtors to the flesh. You know you don't owe everyone an explanation. You can say, no. I'm not doing that. No, I don't, I'm not going there. No, I don't even believe that. You are not a debtor to the flesh. Your flesh does not have to have dominion over you. Okay? Now, for if we live according to the flesh, you will die. He's, he, see, this is love. Love warns you. He's not playing games with people's life. I'm not playing games with people. You cannot sit here and say, I didn't warn you. There's no blood on my hands. So if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live uh, to the spirit, you put to deed, you put to death, excuse me, the deeds of the body, you will live. He's talking about sexual immorality. It just keeps coming up. Because remember, they're Roman pagans. They're wicked people. They're like, they're like us. They're like Americans. They're like wicked people. Where do you think we get all our ideas from? The, 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 where do you think the gymnasium, the gym comes from? Where do you think philosophy comes from? Where, where do you think the military force and order comes from? Where do you think the Senate comes from? Those are all Greco-Roman. 
Just so you know. Okay. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Who yos? Give it to me. <laughs> we got questions, fact checkers, criers. We got everybody here. We love you. All of you. You're all just so welcome. I just hug all of you on camera. But all right. Now, for these are the sons of God. So let me say it this way. I don't follow the Spirit to prove I'm a son. I don't, I don't do anything to prove anything. I, I Just so you know, I don't have anything to prove. I don't have anything to prove. I don't. And what I've learned is, when you have nothing to prove, you have nothing to lose. So, since we're sons of God, we are led by the Spirit of God. So I don't follow God to be His Son. Because I'm His Son, I follow Him. Like my son, after he's going to come and hang and see me, he, he doesn't do this. Dad, I'm proving I'm your son. Dad, I'm here to prove myself to you. No, he just comes and runs and just jumps on me because he's my son. So because we're mature sons, we allow the Spirit to lead. I'm telling you, more than ever in my life, I don't want to be the leader. <laughs> I want to be the follower. I want to be the first guy behind Holy Spirit. Because that's my responsibility. But I want him to be the one who's leading. And you are not qualified to lead no one if you can't be led by the Holy Spirit. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and you cannot lead yourself, why should you be leading us? If you don't lead yourself into the secret place, why should you be leading worship? You don't have anything for us. If you don't go to the Word of God, why should you be speaking the Word of God to me? I don't want to hear that. I, don't want, to, I want to hear the Word of God. I don't want to hear feelings and opinions. I, I don't even want to hear my own opinion. I want to hear, what, is it, what does God say? I already know my opinion. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't come for that. So now, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are sons, huyos, mature. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now the word children of God is technon. So upon believing and upon your spirit bearing witness, you become a technon of God. You become a child of God. That's okay. You cannot, if you don't go through being a child... You cannot be an adult. You're not born an adult. And, and if someone has developmental issues, that's something that we have compassion for. We don't, we don't make fun of that. And guess what? Do you know in church, there's people that have developmental issues? I, I took a little bus to school. I know. I had bars on my windows. We had cops that surrounded the school 24-7. I know. There's people in church, they have developmental issues. I, and you know why? Because they need healing. Not because they're bad. It's not like, oh, you're so bad. No. You, you need to get healed so that you can become whole, so that you can grow. If you're not whole, how can you grow? 
it's and and it's not there's nothing to feel ashamed about but if, if but if you pretend then that's where shame comes in but if you're like no I there's really some broken things in my life I still like some bad things or I still like hanging out with people that have no there's no future in in my like I maybe you have to ask well why do you like that Let, let's talk about that well maybe you're living in the fear of man maybe you're concerned what people think about you maybe you're believing a lie that comes from the mouth of the father of lies and maybe it's bearing fruit in your life it's okay let's but let's analyze it let's dissect it when when someone speaks into to my children I want to know what the heck they're saying I'm the gatekeeper <laughs> I, I, I just you cannot just come and speak to my wife and my children you got to talk to me <laughs> so anyway <clears throat> for God for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear so again fear and bondage are friends there's a cycle there but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry Abba Father the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children here, here this good news coming and if children then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ with the Messiah Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if, okay, here it comes. If indeed we suffer, uh-oh, we don't like that word. Don't say that word, I'm American. <laughs> if we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's continue. Let's continue. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons huyos of God for the creation has been subjected to futility not willing but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption corruption always leads to bondage we can't even buy plane tickets in Haiti right now because of corruption. It always leads to bondage. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation groans in labor pains with birth pangs until now. Not that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Do you know that you have a groan within you that you don't even understand? Many people live frustrated because they don't understand the groan that is on the inside of them. And they do everything in the world to suppress the groan. But then there's some people that go with the groan and let it out. We eagerly wait for the adoption, watch this, the redemption of our body for we were saved in this hope. So the Christian hope is an incorruptible physicality at the coming of the Lord which is when the incorruptible seed that is within us, we put on immortality and we have an indestructible physicality. That's the Christian hope. The Christian hope is not go to heaven when you die. You're in paradise as a holding tank. But when the Lord comes, the dead in Christ will rise and, not, and they'll meet him in the air to be transformed, not to go to heaven and hide, but for him to rule on the earth fully. The full manifestation of everything he paid for is coming when he comes. And when we see him, we'll become like him. Okay, so the Christian hope is you one day putting on 
the new body. No stretch marks. Only Jesus has wounds. All your wounds will be no scars. Only Jesus will have scars. You have a new body like never seen before new. But his, he will bear forever the proof of your purchase in his body. As the crucified and slain lamb from before the foundation of the world, before you could choose him, he chose you. He's like, I don't care what you did last summer. I chose you. I don't care what you're going to do next week. I chose you. But we have to respond to him. That's called faith. Faith is not something I conjure up on my own. If I did, I'd sell it. <laughs> and you can't. Faith only comes by listening to the right person. The Father. What are you listening to? This is what you have to really get into yourself. So now, for I consider that the present sufferings of this present time. For I consider, excuse me, the sufferings of this present time. So, first of all, the word time is not chronos, watch time. It's kairos. So, when you are suffering... It is a kairos moment that should be seized. Lambano. It should be seized because there's something that God will do through that, in spite of that, because of that, that is producing glory in you. Glory is weight. Some people's words have no weight. There's no weight. There's no experience, there's no authority, there's no submission. It's not real, there's no weight. It's just words, empty. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... Now, the word sufferings here is a fascinating word, but it, it's talking about affliction. It also uses the word emotion, believe it or not. Emotion, affliction. So when you go through stuff... God is storing up glory. To be revealed, to be revealed in you. In you. How can I give God glory if I don't have no glory? They don't give the microphone to the guy who loses. Nobody wants to hear from him. Who gets the mic? After the Super Bowl. The champion. The winner. The, champion. the winners. God wants his kids to be winners. Do you believe that? I don't know if you believe that. Some of you believe it. Jose believes it. Barry definitely believes it. God wants you, but not, not as the world defines winners. Because the world says, well, if you're suffering, you can be a winner. Or the world goes, oh, you're having problems? Cool, let's medicate you. Let's suppress it further. Instead of dealing with it. Let's not suppress it. Let's deal with it. Let's get in the habit. One of the things I want to encourage you is to get in the habit of processing your, your, your pain, your discomfort, your disappointment, whatever you're going through. Even opportunities. Process it in faith. Process it with wise people. All right, we are almost done. Now, here's some important words from this whole situation. Abba father, a Hebrew boy, would call his dad Abba, a young 
man or a mature son would call his dad father. Whether you know it or not, your heart is longing for Abba Father. The Bible says that Jesus is the desire of the nations. How can you disciple nations if you have not even embraced the desire of the nations? How can you be a father and mother spiritually to people if you have not been fathered or mothered? How can you adopt children if you have an orphan spirit? How can you care for people if you don't care for yourself? How can you, how can you speak into people's life if you cannot take correction yourself? How can you disciple someone if you yourself are not a disciple? That's one of the main problems we have is that you do not find disciples. You find nice church people who have good motives. So they produce nice church people that have good motives but don't really change the world because they haven't changed. Okay, they don't do drugs anymore, they don't smoke, but there's internal things at the very center of how they respond and how they believe and how they think and speak that hasn't been changed because of the vacancy of Abba, the vacancy of the revelation of Father. This is very important. Okay, when Jesus sweat blood, it wasn't because of the fear of death, it was the thought of being separated from His Heavenly Father. When the cry of your heart is, Abba, Father, you are secure in your Father's love and well-positioned to fulfill your assignment in the earth. You have an assignment. You have a unique assignment. The Lord has brought some of you here specifically to prepare you for the assignment that is on your life. This is a place of preparation. This is not a place of games. This is not a place of feelings. This is not a place of entertainment. I'm not into that. This is a place of where we want to get, see people get healthy and get ready for war. Because Monday's coming. And I, when I talk about war, I'm not talking about a physical war. I'm talking about we're living in a spiritual war. And if you are not alert, you will get caught unaware. Amen. Okay? And I don't want that to happen for you because I love you. Okay? Most believers don't really know their Heavenly Father. Fear, insecurity, greed, lust, competition, anxiety, worry. These are just attributes of people who really don't know their Heavenly Father. He is the solution to everything you need. Your Heavenly Father. Jesus died to bring you back to the Father. Jesus came to speak what He heard the Father saying, to do what He saw the Father doing. What does that tell you? That means that the God who knows everything knew what people needed was the Father. What did He do? He sent His Son to represent the Father and He sent His Spirit to bring us back to the Father. Amen. And He gave us exactly what the Father looks like in Jesus. So if you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And it's so profound that in, 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 in Daniel, when he looks up into the, into the third heaven, he sees the Ancient of Days with hair white like wool and you find out in Revelation 1 that Jesus looks just like Dad. This is the father is, is what a generation, 29% of the generation right now, identifies as fatherless. You didn't hear what I said. 29% of the generation is, is identifying as LGBTQ, I don't even know all the alphabets. 
99% of that is father. It's a father issue. 99% of that. I've, I've been at this long enough to know when I'm listening to someone, am I listening to a dad issue or a mom issue or both? I hear through that. It naturally comes in. People don't like that, but it's true. It's, it's real. The authority issue, dad issue. Money issue, dad issue. Eating issue, mom issue. Seeking addictions, false comfort, mom issue. So it all can't take discipline, dad issue. Anyway, there's a whole other story. We got to get out of that. All right. The enemy comes to break up the family. Did Eve, did, did, did the woman before she was Eve, do you know listening to the wrong thing transformed her identity? She was woman. There was, she wasn't Eve. She was of his flesh and blood. And she had dominion. She listened to the wrong voice. It cost her everything. Do you think she knew it was going to cost her her son's life? That was a result of her listening to the wrong voice. So the enemy wanted to split up the beautiful relationship they had with God. The enemy wanted to split up the beautiful relationship that they had with one another. Do you know how beautiful? Can I tell you something? Do you know how beautiful it is to have a peaceful relationship? Some of you, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. But I can tell you, I mean, it is really, a be I had, can I tell you this? I had a relationship that were not peaceful. <laughs> and then I had a relationship that is peaceful. And I'll tell you what, it is a beautiful thing to have a beautiful, peaceful relationship where there is not friction, strife. It's just beautiful. It's just great. And God wants that for us. But if we listen to the wrong voice, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I, so so if, if my wife is listening to the devil and I'm listening to Jesus, guess what happens in the home? Friction. She's listening to the wrong voice. If I listen to the wrong voice, guess what happens? She's listening to the father. The, lie, the devil's lying to me. Friction in the home. If we're listening to the father, peace. You have to fabricate an argument because there's no arguments. Because everything that really matters is already settled. It's settled. <laughs> it's amazing. You can live like that. I mean, seriously. Okay. What voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the father of lies or the father of lights? When you listen to the father of lights, the light brings exposure. To the darkness, not, not to like, it's like the light, it's not like a flashing a light in your face so they can blind you and hit you with a, you know, a, a nightstick. That, that's not, just so you know, that's not the type of light we're wanting to shine, you know, it, uh, you know. We're trying to shine light so that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Not so you can get blinded and, you know, clobbered. We're not, that's not, we're not into that. That doesn't help you. What does help you is when, when, when God shines a flashlight and says, hey, I see some stuff in your house, man. That needs to be renovated. You know? So you don't want to get drunk, but you have alcohol all over your house. Why? Pour it out. Get rid of it. it 
See, there's a lot of things. If I start coming for the real stuff, people get upset. But see, the reality of it all is either we're going to make room for him or we're not. Now, I realize, and, and this is, I want to just say this in a gracious and patient way, we make room for him at a different pace. I didn't make room for God like everything wanted to, I mean, so I, I can be patient with you, but you have to ask yourself, how long do you want Satan to occupy space in your heart, in your home, in your marriage, in your mindset, in your finances, in your communication, in your response, you have to ask yourself that. Like, are, are you comfortable with a thief living in your house? I mean, this is what you have to ask yourself, right? I'm, I'm not trying to be jerky. I'm not trying to... I, I want to see you walk in freedom and, and, and victory. That's what I want for you. Like, if you don't want that, I'm sorry, but that's what I want for you. Okay. Is there any voices you need to cut off or cut out of your life? That could be the deleting of a phone number. That could just be acknowledging when someone's speaking that they're not speaking from God and it just doesn't have the power to influence you. It doesn't mean you have to be like, shut up. <laughs> like, it, it just means that you, you know who's speaking. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting stock in that market because that market's going to crash. And it will never rise. Okay. Now, who have you given permission to correct you and hold you accountable? So, for example, what is the standard of which you will be held accountable to? Because, like, for example, if it's, if it's the word of God, it's clear. It's clear. Like, people want to fight that it's not clear. Unbelief fights. Faith sees it's real clear. <laughs> it's forever settled in heaven. The question is, is it settled in the earth? There's so many things that are so clear. And if you don't do the things that are so clear, what makes you think you're going to be able to see the things that are more difficult to see? Jesus said, if you're not a good steward of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you with true riches? So how I handle what money can buy and how I handle money determines how I can receive things that money can't buy. So my wealth is not measured by what money can buy. Because if it was, it wouldn't be all that great. But my wealth is measured by what money can buy, cannot buy. And I have a lot of stuff that money can't buy. And I'm thankful for that. I didn't earn that. He, he's gracious and merciful to adopt us and bring us in and make us joint heirs, which that's, that's what I wanted to just spend a moment on. When we are joint heirs with Christ, it means that your name is under his name on the checkbook. It means the business black card, your name is on it. And it actually means something even more than that. What it really means is that upon his death, you inherit everything that is his. And he is an heir of God. He is God. So I inherit the kingdom. I inherit everything in the kingdom. I inherit everything money can't buy. Everything money cannot buy, I already have in heavenly places in Christ. That is my inheritance. 
That belongs to my children. When that truth is in you, you will be secure in love. You will not be in competition with your brother. You will not be upset if your brother gets a new house. You will not be insecure. You will be happy for people because you are loved and you are secure. And just because your brother is blessed doesn't mean there's not enough for you because that's not this father's house. It's just an unlimited situation. And I become joint heirs with Christ, which means upon his death, which has happened, I already, already inherit everything. Many people don't believe this. They don't. They believe they're going to go to heaven when they're going to die. <laughs> but they don't really believe that the quality of life that is in the kingdom of God is theirs in Christ now. Now, it doesn't take faith to believe that one day you're going to go to heaven. I mean, it takes very little faith. It takes a lot of faith to believe that God is going to change things here and now. Especially when we've battled disappointment. When we've battled financial struggles, relational damage, father damage. It takes real faith to say, no, I believe that God is going to invade this present moment. This, and this, this Kairos moment, even in my suffering, is preparing me. Even when, when emotions are heavy based upon disappointment, when there is affliction, when there is pressure, still God is doing something in me. That is our inheritance as joint heirs. Finally, in Christ, you have a family and a future. You have to remember that, <clears throat> that this is important. Your future watch this, is attached to your family. Your family is attached to your future. Your family is attached to your future. Check this out. Why do I say that? Because you were adopted. I'm not talking about Rescue Church. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about something bigger than that. In Christ, <clears throat> you have a family and a future. In Christ. So if you're following Jesus... Jesus leads you to a family, not an event, Amen. not a conference, a family. In Christ, you have a family and you have a hope which gives birth to the future that God has for you. So in Christ, I'm going to say this one last time to you. I'm repeating myself on purpose. Not because I'm crazy. In Christ, you have a family and you have a future. People who know they have a future live differently than people that don't really believe they have a future. People who invest and know that it's coming, they think differently about the future. See? God wants to prepare us for the future that he has. But the healing process, we, we really have to embrace this. 
Because we, we could sabotage our own success in the kingdom if we're unwilling to deal with the real struggles in our life. You see it happened with Moses. Moses had an anger issue. Moses' anger caused him to kill an Egyptian. He had to flee as a political refugee. Then he had to, he, it cost him, God said to him, speak to the rock and he smote it. He hid it because he was mad at the people. Before that, this is the saga of his anger. His associate pastors helped him create an idol. And so he's mad at the people for breaking the law. And then he takes the law that God gave him and he throws it on the floor. So he, he was angry at the people and then he did the very thing he was angry at, broke the law. Don't let people touch your spirit. Don't let people touch your spirit. Don't let people touch your spirit. Your spirit is for God. People will try to touch your spirit. People will accuse you. People will say nasty things about you. People will try to touch your spirit. But your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let, let it be sealed. Don't let people touch your spirit. Because if they can touch your spirit, they get you to react. And then they're in control, not you. And you're not moving in self-control, which is the fruit of the spirit. You're moving in some other thing with the flesh, which only produces death. See? That's why I don't get crazy in the airport. It's not, my flesh won't do anything. My flesh needs to be beaten, not. <laughs> in Christ, you have a family and a future. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for bringing us into the family of God. Behold what manner of love the Father would bestow upon us that he would call us the children of God. Father, help us to interact with you and one another as a family, a healthy family, uh, a family of families for the Father's glory. In the Son's name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of God, help us to do family well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.